Hello, everybody. We are Ken and Lisa Henderson. We'd like to welcome you to the Faith Works Podcast, and thank you for tuning in. We are going to be looking into the lives of ordinary people, and we'll be examining how faith in God is working in their lives and how it will work in yours. We are very excited to bring you testimonies, release prophetic words, and examine Scripture, which will cause your faith in Jesus Christ to grow. Thanks again for joining our conversation. Welcome to the Faith Works Podcast. Shalom, and thank you for joining us today on Wisdom from Above. My name is Pastor Ken Henderson. And I'm Pastor Lisa. And we're the pastors of the Salt Life Church on Merritt Island, Florida. We want to welcome you today, and we're going to get right into the scripture today because we've got a really interesting topic. I've taught this a couple of times, and I just want to give a shout out and let people know there's a testimony that came forward after this teaching, and I want to get into that before it's over with. And there was a, a, a single lady, who, and when, when she heard this teaching, she said, I, I really want to lock into this. And because of this, she was able, with a fixed income, to pay off, oh, uh, she, she owed a little over $40,000. And so she's got it down to less than five in, in one year. And so I thought it was very impressive. But she used the principles that we're going to be talking about today. Now, to be honest with you, most pastors, and including myself, are not really that comfortable talking about finances, although there are three, three primary areas in the Bible that the Bible actually speaks of. One is the spiritual. Uh, two is the physical. And then the third thing is actually financial. And right. so we have to teach on this from time to time at a minimum, even if it makes people uncomfortable. So today I'm going to do a repeat message because I had such extreme comments over it and really such success with people getting out of debt and those kind of things as a result of applying the principle. And, and we're going to be talking about money today, which is, is something that really needs to be talked about. And what I want to talk about is four streams biblical streams. And yeah, before we start, I just want to point out, you said this, that um, the, the principles of body, soul, and spirit, the Lord is interested in all three parts of our being, obviously, because he said he would have us prosper and be in health, both prosper and be in health, even as our souls prosper, which is our mind and intellect. So as we gain understanding and you teach and we understand the biblical principles and the four streams of income, um, our mind will prosper. Therefore, that should translate and uh, what I want to say manifest into our uh, financial realm. So I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people think that that actually means that the, the spirit, the way that the spirit prospers. But in reality, it's not the spirit that we're talking talking about it is the seed of the intellect and the more you learn the more you should earn once we get these principles then then it, it changes the way we think so that's why we're always constantly needing to renew and refresh our minds right. so we want to start in the book of genesis and genesis chapter two and we're going to read about the four rivers that were actually in the garden of eden and the garden of eden was known as a paradise so my thought process is if, if there's four principles or, or four rivers made it a garden, in case one dried up, there was always another stream. 
then our income can be the same way and it can make us very stable right. financially. So, so we're going to read about these four rivers because there's some significance to these rivers and I want you to see some parallels and we're going to get into right. that. So, so reading in Genesis chapter 2 starting at verse 10 and it says, Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from there it parted and became four river heads. The first name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Medellium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush or Ethiopia. So what's significant about Ethiopia is that even today in modern Ethiopia, it has small reserves of gold, platinum, copper, uh, potash, and natural gas. And it has extensive hydropower potential and this goes all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, you notice God enriched the land and enriched the streams as well at that time. And so we can see in the natural why this was considered a paradise. Now, the name of the third river is Hedekel, and it is the one that, which flows towards the east of Assyria. In addition to abundant natural resources in the Assyrian Empire, they have fertile lands that are perfect for agriculture. So God actually put this thing right. together, and it was really interesting that it is. And then the Bible says that the fourth river is the river Euphrates, and th this is actually in Iraq, mm -hmm. and you see all the gas, the petroleum, the sulfur, the phosphates, one of the richest places in the earth. So what we see is in the original intent of what God had for people to live in is actually wealth. Right. And if you go back to 2010, Iraq was globally considered the 11th largest producer of crude oil, um, whose production averaged at the time about 2.5 um, million barrels per day. Yeah. And accounted for 3.1% of the crude oil um, output in the world. Well, here, here's what I want you to see is there are four rivers that made that a paradise, and there are also four types of giving in the Bible that will make your life a paradise financially. And since the Bible deals with them, we ought to as well. And there are four different ones, and I'm going to bring those up, and I'll, I'll go over them real briefly, and then we'll expand them as we go through them. The first one is tithe. Everybody's pretty much familiar with tithe. The motivation for, for actually paying tithes is actually obedience. The second is first fruit, and the motivation for that is actually generosity. Alms, which is motivated by compassion, and seed giving, which is motivated in faith. And actually sometimes, I hate to say this, but it's almost, it's self-serving. Right. So when, when, when we see seed offerings, it makes a difference to everybody. Well, that's so. just to, to expand on that a little bit. You give or plant seed expecting a harvest. Absolutely. Even in the natural realm for, I'm gardening right now, so I've planted eggplants. I'm expecting eggplants to grow. So we're, that's self-serving, but that's my interest. Yeah, it, it's interesting though because of the way the world views things and does things about 90 to 90 95 percent of giving is done through alms and but and that's that's okay but we're going to find out i'm interested in rate of returns i have a good friend who's actually here today and he's a banker and and that was his career so he understands this probably as well as anybody and we want to know what rate of return is now here here's the thing is in my car, there are different things like oil, transmission fluid, gasoline. Each one goes into a different compartment. 
And so my brake fluid doesn't go in where the gas goes. My oil doesn't go in where the transmission fluid goes. My transmission fluid doesn't go in where the, the, the refrigerant goes. Or, and so it has to go into the proper category in order that it will do the proper job. Otherwise, then we get into trouble. Right. And so we want to look and we want to see when we put it in proper perspective and we understand what it's doing, then we can expect a rate of return, a biblical rate of return. So it's not something we're guessing at. And we can actually get to a point where we understand exactly what we can expect when we do things so that we actually start to maximize our potential with what we're doing through our giving, which will bring about great return to us. Now, I mentioned already that that alms is where about 90, 95% of people give all the time, and it's necessary. So don't misinterpret that. But what is the rate of return? We're going to be looking at that. And so we're going to start right at the top with tithe. And, and as I already said, the motivation for tithing is actually obedience to God's Word. So we're going to look at the Word in Malachi chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 8 through 12, and we're going to read those together. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed through the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Yeah, and and I, I wrote this down. Tithing is the connection to protection. And I want us to see that. But what is the rate of return based on tithe? Well, tithe means one-tenth. So when, and somebody asked me the other day, is that one-tenth of the gross or one-tenth of the net? And it's actually one-tenth of the gross. You can do anything you want to. I'm not going to fuss at you if you don't tithe. That's up to you. But what happens is people actually end up restricting themselves. And tithe, if I could say it this way, is more or less an insurance policy. Because when I give in to tithes, if I get $100 and I put $10 in, God said in his word, first of all, he's going to give seed to the sower. Now, he always tells us the minimums that he's going to do, and then he does more than that. But he said in his word, if you'll give me 10 bucks, I'll give you 100 back. That's a good swap. If I could get people to do that all day long, I would be, you know, in, in, in tremendous amount of money coming in. And uh, I don't know anybody who wouldn't take a 10 to 1 return. However, you know, when the, the opening scripture there said, will a man rob God? Let me answer that. Yes, yes, he will. They'll do it in a heartbeat because they don't really consider God's word to be true about some things. They want it to be true about eternal salvation and those kind of th- situations in their lives. And they can believe God for the past. They can believe God for the future. What they have trouble for is for the present. And so when we tithe, we have to believe that God is a rewarder and of those who diligently seek him. Now, seeking him, that scripture actually is talking about prayer most of the time. 
However, this is a way that we seek God. God, what is your plan? And I, I ask our church Sunday, how many would rather have God's plan yeah. than they would their own plan? Now, we know people uh, who are financial planners. I've, I've actually been done financial planning myself with different people. And it's, it's really important that you have a financial plan. But here's what I know for a fact. There has never been a better financial plan than God's plan. Right. And so the, the, the tithe is the divine connector to the blessing. What blessing? Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to, to point out that um, you talked about tithing is usually motivated by obedience. Now, I, I grew up with a grandfather, as you know, that, that totally believed in tithing and the scripture. And I've heard um, different pastors say, and I don't remember the first one um, wasn't my, my saying that I heard say this, but the only scriptures that you actually believe are the ones that you obey. Mm-hmm. And that really makes a lot of sense. You know, we only the ones that we obey are the ones we actually believe. And let me remind you, the Bible says this: obedience is, is better, better than, than sacrifice. sacrifice. Yeah. And I know that I've heard my grandfather say this before. Well, you know, you, they, I, when I got saved, he said, "Well, my wallet got saved. They knew I was really saved." And it was like, "Wow!" When you're willing to trust God with everything in your life. And one of the hardest things I think for people to trust God with is their money. One of the hardest things to talk about as pastors for us is money. It's uncomfortable because people always look at the church like we're always standing there with our hand out. And um, because there's been such abuses with the teaching on finances that there's a negative feeling about that and that we're just a bunch of money grabbers. That's not the case. This is God's principles. We've seen it come true. We could sit, we could spend the rest of this program and probably two or three more doing nothing but testifying on the faithfulness of God as it relates to tithing and it starts with obedience. Yeah, it does start with obedience. Now, I want to take you to a scripture in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. It said, Then God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve, and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves. What he said, be fruitful, always producing. Right. Be multiplying always increasing. That's hey guys, good. if it's talking about just spiritual, that'd be wonderful. But and if it was talking about in the physical, having children being multiplying and increasing that way, it'd be wonderful. But it's talking about every area of your life should be fruitful, always producing, multiplying, ever increasing, replenishing. So when you spend something, it actually comes back. And then to subdue means that you actually start to control your environment. And when you control your environment, you actually take control to a degree of your future. You can't control everything about the future. Right. But those things that we do have control over, we need to take advantage of. Let me, let me just say, some people are having a hard time with finances, and I understand that because we live in a natural world. My pastor used to say money matters and money, money matters. matters. And so, so I understand that. But if you're having a hard time in maybe recession or, you know, you need to quit living in the Babylonian system. What I mean by that is the Bible tells us that we're better off if we're the lender and not the borrower. But there's so many people that borrow money and really they don't need to do that. A lot of times there are people who get into trouble borrowing money when they really don't have to. Right. You should only borrow money 
if you absolutely have to, and most of the time you can be patient. You know, we were teaching this principle to uh, one of the young people in our church the other day, and we were saying to them that, that they don't really need to borrow money. They, they really need to save money, and then they would have more money to spend. And it was a very young person, and they said, well, I can't save any money because every time I get it, I want to spend it. Right. And I said, well, who doesn't? But at the same time, if you'll save some, and then you're able to reward yourself a little bit better. So quit living in the Babylonian system and start living in the blessed system. And how do you change? The first way that you change is actually start tithing. Right. So tithing is a way for financial recession and depression to actually bypass you. Why? Because you start to live under an open heaven. And what what the, the scripture said is he would pour out a blessing that we're not able to actually receive. Now, here's what it means when it says that. We find the answer to what that actually is found in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and we're going to jump right in there and read that for us, if you will. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your, of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. What is basically said, blessed in the city. Blessed in the field, blessed in the fruit of your body, blessed uh, going in, coming out, blessed every way possible. You know, at the end of a a service for many years, I've made it a practice to raise my right hand. It's what they did in the Old Testament. And I would really simply just start to bless the people. And and I'd bless them with things like their gas mileage would get better, their tires would go further than anybody else's, their appliances wouldn't wear out, and things of that nature and it works yes. because we're living under the blessed system. Now, here's the problem going back to Malachi chapter 3 where it said, will a man rob, rob God? And I have to tell you, yes, they will. And what they're doing is they're robbing God, but they're also robbing themselves. So. And so let me ask you a question. Have you ever rebuked the devil? Here's something that you need to consider. Be a fruitful tither. And stop wasting your energy trying to do something that is not meant for you to do. Tithing holds the promise that God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So what you're doing is really a waste of time when he's already said that he would do it for us. When we're faithfully tithing... We can depend on that. And you would rather have 90%. You know, I had a friend of mine who told me one time, said, Ken, it's really just a matter of, of math. 100% is greater than 90%. And that is true until right. God gets involved in it. Kingdom math. It's kingdom math. And I, and I talked about this a little bit on Sunday. And the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So you take a sip of water and you taste it 
And the Bible said, but out of your belly will flow rivers. rivers. And that's kingdom man. Rivers of water, not just the little taste that you took in. Satan wants to put you in a position that he tells you you can't afford to tithe. Well, let me just tell you, you can't afford not to tithe. But your motivation has to be obedience of God's word because tithing is is in God's word. Yeah, we had a friend one time tell us that we felt they felt like, you know, because of the teaching that you're like paying big or paying somebody (laughs) for protection, you know, um, against something happening. And that's not really what we're doing. It is obedience. And because of the obedience, there comes with the blessing of protection from the devourer. And that doesn't mean things doesn't happen, but there's always, there seems to be a way out and there's always a replenishment. You talked about that and just um, that added benefit. Yeah, tithing is a divine connector. It really is. It, It opens up so many blessings and it's the first area of giving. And the reason it is, is because it is the first 10%. Until you tithe. Right. Until you pay that first 10%. Nothing else really counts. It's, it's because the Bible said, "Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me with your tithes, tithes and, and offerings. offerings." But you can't give in offerings if you haven't given in tithes, because it's just the way it works. And so, if a recession is attacking you and you can't figure out why, look at that situation. And so you can start to control your environment and don't allow doubt and unbelief in your house. And Start becoming a faithful tither. Let it be something you practice on a regular basis. Now, that is one of the areas that's talked about, maybe over-talked about in some churches. And so I I teach on on finances maybe once a year and, and, and usually not that much. I personally, in our church, the people who go here know I hardly ever receive offerings. I just, I, I don't want to be abusive and that. And I want you to know if you give, you're going to be blessed. If you don't give, that's between you and God. And Satan, what, but what it does is open the door for Satan to come in and start attacking you. Right. But I want to move on to the second area uh, or the second stream, if I can. And that is first fruits. First fruits. The motivation for obeying the first fruits is actually generosity. And there are 31 different Bible references to first fruits in the Bible. And so the Bible says in Proverbs 3 and 9, you want to read that for us? Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. First fruits shows God that you're not in love with money, but you're actually in love with Him. 1 Timothy 6 and 10 says this, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's a problem for a lot of people. It is the love of money. It's not money itself. There are so many people in the Bible, and the Bible talks about Abraham and Lot having to split ways right. because they were so wealthy that the land would not contain them. For me, that's a mind-blowing uh, scripture when you see that. And, and the Bible talks about Solomon, and Solomon prayed for wisdom and so, and God said because you didn't ask for wealth I'm going to give it to you anyway Right. and so when you see that it's really important so when God can trust you with money and he'll know because of the way that you give right so what, what would the love of money look like if someone's wondering well do I have a love for money or am I obsessed with money for someone who's listening or watching what, what would that look like the love of money 
Well, realistically, I always go back to what would you do for money? You know, what what in the world would you do? Would you sell, uh, I don't know, sell dope to kids? Would you just for a dollar? Would you, I don't know, strip for a living? Would you do all those kind of things that we know should not be done? Would you sling dope? Would, would you commit sure, murder? Yeah. Would, what does that look like to you? What would you do for money? That is how you could define it because we're going to talk about it in a minute. And we, we're, we're really talking about it now. You can't serve God and mammon, but mammon is really a spirit. It's not money itself. It is a spirit behind it that drives you to do things, and it actually is the definition of this because you love money or finances or mammon to the point that you do that you'll do anything for it. Then you've got a real problem. And so when we look at the love of money being the root of all evil, think of that. It's just evil. What would you do that's evil that would gain you money? Well, so Let's look at this, too, from another aspect. What if it's somebody that they're not doing um, evil things for money, but they work continually and never set time at all aside for God because they feel like they have to work constantly to earn money. I think about what, um, you know, back home where we're from, the we had a barbecue restaurant and it was, you know, uh, was one of our favorite places to eat, but the owner actually got saved. And what she did, she started closing the business on Sundays. Yep. Now, if you know anything about the restaurant business, that costs a lot. Now, some of our good friends are, are here in the studio with us and they owned a restaurant. Closing down for a day of the week is a huge sacrifice. Well, especially Sunday, because um, there's a lot Sunday, of people that will go out church. and eat on Sunday, that, well, either after church or just in general, right. that that may not be able to go out the rest of the week. Yeah, and the same thing with, with Chick-fil-A. Um, and that's why a lot of Christians love supporting that business, because they have chosen to honor God that day of the week, and so that the, their workers can honor God that day of the week. So they're saying, I don't love money. I know that we can make a lot of money on Sunday, but we choose to not love money more than God, to serve God and close the business. And God is very richly blessing that company. So if it's a showing of, of you know, gratitude and um, how much you love God, I think mm-hmm. um, is what you're saying. Well, and, and you're showing saying, God, I love you enough that I, I notice the extra blessing in my life. And so I want you to see that first fruits is really an expression of God's love. So Romans eleven sixteen says this, For the first fruit is holy. Wow. And therefore, the lump, the rest of it, is holy. So what does first fruits imply? More, More fruit. fruit. And so when you see that, it's really important that we give in the first fruit because when we do, the root becomes holy, therefore the rest is holy. Well, what does that look like in the modern world? Because we, we really want to know what it looks like today. Because right. during this time, they were dealing with agriculture. So it was literally a, a first day's harvest back in that point in time. Let me just say this, too. When your harvest comes, I know because we grew up in the farming uh, country, when harvest comes, we worked harder during harvest than we did any time else. It's, it's wonderful to, to, to put seeds out, and that was hard work. But you kind of got into a maintenance mode while it was growing, but when harvest came, all hands were on deck. We worked 
day and night if we had to because we had to get the crops in. So a lot of people feel like, you know, when my harvest comes in, I'm just going to do nothing. Well, no, no, no. When the harvest comes in, what are you going to do with what God has blessed you with at that point right. in time? It shouldn't be that, oh, I'm going to relax and do nothing. It should be, I'm going to do more. I'm going to bless more. I'm going to get the word out more. I'm going to share the gospel more. And so in our first fruits, giving back to God, it it, it makes the, the root holy, and then it ensures more fruit. So friends, we're out of time. So we want to thank you for joining us today. And we're going to be praying for you over the course of the next little bit. Matter of fact, we want to pray for right. you today. Uh, you want to lead us in sure. prayer? You know, if you're if you're watching and you maybe you're stra- struggling in your finances and you don't tithe, we want to encourage you first to find a, a church, you maybe have one, to begin to tithe. And then follow the next step of um, you know giving with the first fruits. But we want to pray over your finances right now. So um, wherever you are, just, you know, we, we like to do this because this uh, signifies rece- receiving. So we just come, just want to come to you right now, Father. And Lord, we just ask that you just bless those that are watching or listening, God. That Lord, as they begin to trust you with their finances, Father, that you open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing which they cannot contain. And Father, you make a way where there seems to be no way. And maybe there's someone watching or listening, God, that has been tithing. And Father, they've hit some rough times, Lord, during this pandemic. And maybe they've lost a job. But God, I ask that you make a way and give them jobs when other people aren't having jobs. And Father, that you bring in money to them because they have been faithful and they have been in covenant with you. And Father, I thank you right now for blessing flowing into your children's lives uh, for kingdom's sake and kingdom purpose, God. And we just thank you right now for moving and ministering in the area of finances. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Faith Works Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to visit us at cornerstonegm.org for books, blogs, movies, and spiritual growth. You can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Lisa Henderson, and that's Lisa, L-E-S-A, and at Ken Henderson, or you can follow our ministries at My Salt Life Church and at Cornerstone Global M. See you next week.